9. Acts chapter 9, we're going to begin at verse 1 and 3. Acts chapter 9, begin at 1 and 3. And if you can stand to your feet as you repeat after me. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears so that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen, amen. Acts chapter 9, if you got it, say, I got it. Amen. I'm going to get it with you. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. If you don't have your Bibles, don't feel bad. Read along with us on the screen. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, all the way through verse 3. It simply says, now, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for a letter. This is Saul. He's not Paul yet. We come to know him as Apostle Paul later on in the text. Right now, he's a bad boy. He, he goes to the high priest and he asks for a letter, not just any any letter, but in this particular letter, he says to the high priest, he asked for a letter from him to the synagogues of Damascus, saying that if he found anyone, anybody belonging to the way, the way were the Christians, that, that was a clique, that was the gangs, you got the Crips, you got the Bloods, they were the way. And so here it was, they were known as the way, they were not yet known as Christians, but here it is, Saul is going to seek out and find people of the way. The Bible says that it says both men and women are what he's looking for. He's not showing any favoritism. He wants whatever he can get. And he says he might bring them. If I find them, can I bring them bound back to Jerusalem? Verse 3, this is the part that gets me. As he's traveling, it happens that he was approaching Damascus. He had not yet made it to Damascus. He had not yet reached his destination, but he was approaching Damascus and catch this. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. For a moment today, as we consider in this series titled Road Trip, I want to talk to you from the topic of the detour on the road to your destiny. The detour on your road to your destiny. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord on today. The detour on your road to destiny. There's nothing worse than knowing where you're going, knowing how you have to get there. And somehow through the process, you find yourself encountering what we have come to know as a detour. I remember that we were traveling to Akron, Ohio, using our GPS, headed to our destination. And on the way to our destination, something happened. GPS was telling me to go one way, but the road presented a detour. You know what a detour is. It's the time where you're, you're on the midst of the road. You're headed the direction that you're going, but something is happening that says, you know what? You can't stay on this route to get to where you're trying to be. It's not telling you you can't go where you want to go. It's simply saying that you can't go this way. And so as a result of it, you have to detour. I mean, if you're riding down 45, if you ever hung out in, in the South Dallas area, they're doing a lot of construction over there. And Lamar used to have an exit, but now it does not have an exit anymore on, coming on the south side. So you have to detour. There's, there's ways that you would normally get on 45 south that you had, can't get onto. So they have all of these construction signs that's telling you that you have to detour. You have to go another way to get to where you want to go. And you know the problem is sometimes we go that other way. And in going that other way, we oftentimes had never been that way before. 
And so, although we're going that way, we're confused. We're like, how and why do I have to go this way to get to where I need to be? Matter of fact, I see my exit. It's just one exit up. Y'all not doing nothing for the next 10 miles. Why can't I go this way to get where I need to be? And so sometimes we, we get frustrated. We get agitated about these detours because they're taking us somewhere that we have never been. Sometimes the road is a little rougher than the road that you're accustomed to, to riding on. But it's the only road that is left for you to take. But it's is the road that guarantees that you can get to where you're trying to be. You just can't go the same way that you're used to. Can I help you understand something? Just like life, the road that we drive on a day-to-day basis presents detours. Our life, especially spiritually, presents detours. There are opportunities that we're traveling on the road, trying to take our plans to reach where we want to reach, but something happens and that there becomes a detour present that that directs us another direction. And you know the problem is that most of us, when we see this detour, instead of following the sign, you know what we do? We just stand there and look at it. This is not the way. I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. And we expect for this sign to move. We expect for something to change. But the truth of the matter is the sign is there. The sign is permanent. It's trying to detour you to where you need to be. And so this is what I want to talk to today. I want to talk to you today about the spiritual detours within your life. I want to talk to you today about when God steps in and says, you know what? I know that you want to go one way, but listen, the way that you're trying to go, the thing that you're trying to do is not the right thing. So what I need to do is I need to detour you. Why? Because if I don't detour you, I promise you, your road will lead to destruction. And so what I want to do, I know that you think you need this man. I know that you think you need this job. I know that you think you need these finances. I want to put a detour right here. It's not saying that you can't have what I said you can have. It's just saying the way that you think you have to get there isn't the way that you have to get there. That's what I learned about these spiritual detours. That's one of the things that I learned about that I understood that spiritual detours in my life only occur when my personal plans encounter God's purpose. When my plans encounters God's purpose, then either I have to choose to submit to God's purpose or I can keep on trying to implement my plan. A lot of us set goals for our lives. A lot of us set things that we want to achieve. And a lot of us decide that there's things that we want to do. But can I tell you something? Just because you set a goal don't mean that it's a God-given desire. It doesn't mean that it's a God-given thing. I mean, I don't want to be a 310 pounds right now. I have a goal to lose, but I ain't lost it yet. You know what I mean? It's, I, I got as things I have to do to get to where I need to be. I got a goal to be a millionaire, but I ain't got it yet. There's it, things that I have to do to reach the. So, so we have to understand that everything that is our goal is not something that God has said he, that we have to have. There's some people that wanted to be married by 25, had a baby by 25, and yet they're 28. Does that mean that you give up? No, it means that you still have to wait on God. You still have to wait on God. That may be a detour. You may not be ready. He may not be ready. She may not be ready. Whatever it is may not be ready to get you where you need to be. So therefore, there's simply a detour. Life is not over when you encounter a detour. This is why we don't come to a standstill. This is why we don't stop dead in our tracks and not push through. Detours are meant to give you direction. 
That's the beautiful thing about it is when a detour presents itself, it presents itself to give you direction. It's not saying that you've hit a roadblock and you can't go any further. It's not saying that your life is now at a dead end. It's saying, listen, I know you think you know where you're going, but listen, I have another way that I need you to get there. I have another way that I need you to get there. So what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about the things that we like and dislike about Detours. I, I began to think about this. I began to think about what do I dislike about detours. And I, I want to make sure that you understand this. Before I do this, I want to make sure that you understand how this has relevance to the text. Here we have Saul, who will later on become Paul. Y'all know Paul the apostle, the one who has wrote more than two-thirds of the New Testament, the one who, who put Peter in his place when Peter was trying to charge him up about circumcision. You, you know Paul the apostle. In this particular passage of text, we know him as Saul. And what Saul of Tarsus was, he was a soldier that was out to persecute and kill Christians. Jesus Christ had already died on the cross for our sins. He had already came back and, and transcended back to heaven. So all of these things were happening, things that already took place. And now what is happening is there are these people that call themselves of the way. The people who are going around telling people about who Jesus is, reminding people about what Jesus has done and letting them know that Jesus is the way, that he is the only way. And so therefore, as a result of it, you need to be a part of Team Jesus. This is what they're going around and saying. And so Paul, being part of the Roman government, they, they are, he is frustrated. He's a soldier. He's upset. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. We're not going to allow Christianity to take over our country. What I want to do, listen, priest, give me the command. Give me the decree right now. Write it down. Tell me it's okay to go up in the synagogues in Damascus. I want to go up in the church. And what I want to do if I find anybody in the church that's claiming they're a part of Jesus, I want to be able to snatch them up and snatch them out. I want to snatch them up, snatch them out, and bring them back, and we will deal with them when we get them back. This was Saul's desire. I want to kill him. He had been burning people. He had been hanging people. This is what he has been doing all along. But now what happens is Paul gets the decree. He has the decree in his hand. He has a couple of his homeboys riding with him. He's on the road that leads to Damascus, and he encounters what I like to look at as a spiritual detour. I want to say that it was a spiritual detour because Paul's destination, even though it was what he thought he needed to do for himself, it was always part of God's plan. How do we know that, that Damascus was part of God's plan? God had already spoke to a young man named Ananias and said, listen, Ananias, uh, Saul, the, the, the man who's been killing Christians, you know who I'm talking about. He's going to come. I need you to take care of him. I need you to make sure that he's nursed back to health. I want to get him to where he needs to be. Ananias was like, no, Jesus, I heard about this, this dude right here. He, he, no, he ain't welcome in my house. I know you told me to love my enemies, but this enemy right here, now if I get him, Jesus, I'm going to cut his throat myself. This is the attitude that Ananias had. And Jesus was like, no, 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 I need you to do what I'm asking you to do. And Ananias Ananias being a servant, he says, you know what, Lord, that's fine. And so when Paul thinks that he, his, where his destination is, that he's going to do what he wants to do, he doesn't realize that it was actually a God-given destination. God just has to change his determination. And, and, and so what happens is he is on the way to the right place with the wrong mindset. He has to have a detour. Why does he have to have a detour? Because when, when God knows that we're on the right, on the right track going 
to the right place, but with the wrong mindset. He says, listen, if I let you get to where I want you to be, thinking the way that you're thinking, you're going to cause more damage than you do know that you're going to do to your own destiny. And so here's what has to happen. God says, Jesus, listen, stop him right there in his tracks. Why? Because I have to stop him where he is before he gets to where I want him to be. Can I help you understand something today that sometimes in your life where you think that you know the next step, where you think you know the way to get to where you're supposed to be, sometimes God has to spiritually stop you right where you are. The things that you think the enemy has set up to break you down, sometimes it's God just sticking his hands in and saying, baby, hold on, just just pause. I can't give you that man right now because if I give you that man right now with your attitude, he's going to leave you. God, I, I just can't give you that job right now because if I give you that job with your work ethic right now, now you're just going to lose it. So he says, listen, what I have to do is I have to stop you right in your tracks. I'm not trying to change where you're going. I'm not trying to change what I want to do with you. But what I want to make sure is when you get to the right place, you're there with the right mindset. This was the problem in the text. Here it was. Paul was going to the right place, but he was going with the wrong mindset. And the problem is if you're going to the right place with the wrong mindset, you can never reach your destiny but all you can do is enter into destruction. And so here it is that sometimes we get so frustrated with God with these roadblocks. We get so frustrated with these detours. We begin to point our finger at God. God, why do I have to go this way? I know the way to go. And this is the problem because what ends up happening is instead of doing the right thing and follow the direction of the detours, some of us think we slick. We'll sneak around the barrier. And then you get mad when you fall into that pothole and bust your tire. Sneak around the barrier and you get mad when you find out that you got to back all the way back up just to go the way they were telling you to go in the first place. The detour, can I help you right now? The detour in your life is not just there for decoration. It's there for direction. And I want to share with you some things, some things that I hate about detours. I think that you need to, because I think we can agree with these. These are some things I dislike about detours, but I want you to understand the importance. So I'm going to share with you the dislikes, but then I'm going to show you the likes. But so Paul is on this road. He's getting this detour. How do we know it's a detour? He knows where he's going. He's almost in Damascus. The light flashes, and you know what the Bible says? He's knocked off his beast. Nobody else was knocked off their beast. Matter of fact, nobody else seen or heard anything. But Paul is knocked off his beast. Everybody that was with him is kind of looking like, Paul, what's wrong with you, man? You're clumsy. And Paul is sitting there, and he's engulfed in this light, and he begins to have a a dialogue with God. I want to show you what begins to happen. I want to show you Paul hears a voice from heaven saying, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And here it is, Saul, a non-believer. I want you to see this in the text. I want you to see this in the text. Acts, Acts chapter 9. Look at this in the text with me. Verse 4. He fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse 5. Here it goes. And he said, who are you, Lord? That, 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 that there is just so profound because Paul is the same person that just got permission from the priest to go and kill some folks that was about the way. But something happens in Paul's life that notifies him 
That whoever I'm dealing with now isn't just a nobody. Whoever I'm dealing with now ain't like everybody else that I've talked to. Whoever I'm dealing with now, he ain't no little L. He a capital L. And, and so what he does is he finds himself in a position on the ground. Oh, that's good. He finds himself in a position on the ground, which is the position that oftentimes we find ourselves in when life is so hard that we finally realize God ain't no little L, but he's a big L. When we, our back is against the wall, we've been knocked off our high horse and we're on the ground and we have no other choice but to look up, Lord, who are you? He looks up and he, he knows in that moment that whoever I'm fooling with now got more power than I've ever had before. Whoever just calls this calamity in my life, whoever just put this detour in front of me has more authority than I've ever had before. And so he makes sure to reference him because he don't need to know exactly who he is. He just says, listen, I want to make sure that you know I respect whoever you are because of what you've just done in my life. You ever been on the road and there's a detour and there's a man, you don't even know him. He could be a little bit of Hispanic guy, a little bit of black guy, a little bit of white guy. You don't even know him, but he has on this orange vest and he has this flag and he's pointing you somewhere. You don't get out of your car and jump all in his face. No, 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 I want to go that way. You respect who he is. Why? Because in that moment, in that position, he has all authority. He does not have a badge. He does not have a gun. But he's in a position that says, you will follow me. And this is what happens in the text. Paul is knocked off his beast. He's on the ground. And he has no choice but to look up and say, Lord, who are you? And in the midst of that, Jesus says unto him, he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting your actions are against me I am Jesus the one who you are persecuting yeah 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 I know we I know we here we're not we're not murdering Christians we're not we're not setting them on fire we're not going and trying to pull them out of churches but I have a question today that all of us should ask ourselves are your actions of your day-to-day -day life against Christ. That's what it means to persecute, to be against. Are the things that you're doing contrary, contradictory to what God would want you to do? Because if your behavior on a day-to-day -day basis is contrary, if it's contradictory to what God would want you to do, then you are mur murdering the Christian faith. You are being a bad witness to who Christ is. You are denying who Christ is. So essentially, some of us, if we could be honest today, if we had to go before for God today in this place, some of us have been Saul at some point in times. And I'm like, some of us were just Saul yesterday. We know who he is. We know his way, but we want to do everything our way. And so here it is in the text. He says, I'm Jesus, the one whom you're, you're persecuting. And I can only imagine Saul's face at that time. I can only imagine the disgust, the, the confusion. But because of this encounter, because of this detour, he's able to get directions. And, and Jesus says unto him, 
He says, enter the city, enter Damascus. I don't want to change your destination, but I just want to, deter- I want to change your determination. He says, enter the city, and it will be told to you what you m- must do. Catch this. Look at how things have changed. He went with one mindset thinking that this is what I am going to do. But now he's saying, get to the city, and it will be what? told to you what, it, what you will do. Catch this. Sometimes while you're on your road of life thinking that you're getting from point A to point B, but the real catch is while you're on the road to life getting from point A to point B, you think your directions is the right direction, but the catch is that God has to give you a detour because if he lets you keep going the way that you're going, thinking the way that you're thinking, you're going to think that you know it all when the truth is you don't know it all. So sometimes he has to send you a different way to make sure that you understand that you need to be told when to turn, how to turn, and why to turn. And so therefore, it can put you in a position where it's not your own will that got you to where you need to be, but it's the will of God that got you where you need to be. And if you don't remember anything else, we have to remember that everything that we go through, everything that we do is not so that we can gain the glory, but so that God can obtain the glory. And so we have to allow these things to happen in our lives. We have to allow them to put us in a position so that we can make sure that God gets the glory out of everything we do. So here it is, Saul has encountered a detour, and and I I couldn't help but to sympathize with Saul because I hate a few things about these detours. The first thing that I hate about detours, I want you to, to write it down, take a picture if you need to. Detours are unpredictable. You can be going down the road of life and and, and, and hitting down I-45 and everything looks good and all of a sudden you just see brake lights. Things start slowing down. Orange cones appearing everywhere and everybody has to exit. Detours are unpredictable. This is the number one thing that I hate about detours. This is the number one thing why I hate going places that have detours. So I'll tell you something. If I hate detours in natural life, the reason why I hate detours in my spiritual life is because when God chooses to detour me, they come at a time that are unpredictable. They're not always going to come when I want them to come. They come in a time that's unpredictable, but it comes in the right timing. That's the thing about a detour. The detour is not designed to come at the time where you want it. It comes at the time that you need it. And so therefore, when God presents a detour for me in my life, this is something I want to help you get over with. I begin to look at this detour spiritually and I begin to say, God, I know I don't want it right now. I know that it's going to add 10 minutes, 10 years, 10 days to my next destination. But you know what? It's what you see is best for me. And so even though I don't like it, guess what? I'm going to deal with it. Even though I don't like it, I'm going to deal with it. Because of the fact that detours are unpredictable. The second thing that I hate about detours that I come to understand, it applies in the natural as well as in the supernatural. Not only are they unpredictable, but guess what? Detours are unavoidable. You can do what you want to do. You can think you can find ways around them. But the truth of the matter is, if you're on the road to a certain destination, if a detour is present, there's nothing you can do to get around it. I know sometimes we think that we bad boys and we can get on the freeway and act like we we in the movies and just run through them and skip over. But guess what? They're unavoidable. They're going to happen. And when they happen, there's nothing you can do to get around it except what? Follow the directions. The only thing you can do to get around is follow the direction. I remember here on 45, I remember on 45, 
They, they, they were doing all this traffic, building this new overpass, and they put the detour up there by Lamar, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to fix that because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go uh, down 175 and I'm going to catch up and catch Lamar there, only to find out that they were tearing up 175 and the reason that 45 was being turned up because of what they were doing on 175. And so as a result of that, I couldn't even get back to where I needed to be the way I needed to. And then when I figured found it out, I had to ride down this bumpy road all over the town, go over train tracks, trains blocking me off. So it added time to my destiny from beginning to from one place to the other place. Why? Because I thought I knew a way around of what they were already showing. They had already mapped out the detour. They already knew the plan. All I had to do was go wait in line with everybody else. But instead, I think I know better and I want to do better and what ends up happening? I put myself in a worse situation because I don't want to follow directions. I just want to help you today. Detours are unavoidable. When God plants a detour in your life, when the supernatural detour presents itself, stop trying to find a way around it. Just follow the direction. It's so much simpler if you just get in line. Oftentimes, all it is is a right, a left, and another left, and you're right where you need to be. But sometimes what we find ourselves doing, we going around in circles, round and round, going over overpass, going two miles out the way just to come back, and we think we really did something. And then the worst part is oftentimes you do all that, and all you do is, guess what? Encounter another detour. Mike said it best, you're right back in the same spot. And you know what happens oftentimes when we get back to that same spot? We finally just chuck up our hands. All right. I'm going to go on and go where you're telling me to go. I might not like it, but I'm going to go. And don't confuse me. I'm, I'm not telling you to like your detours. You ain't always got to like what God is doing in your life, but you will respect it. That was one of the greatest lessons I learned in my house. Growing up as a kid, I ain't got to like everything my parents do. I ain't got to like everything they say, but I will do it. Favorite thing they used to say, do, do as I say, not as I do. So here it is. God has the authority to detour you. I, I don't like the fact that detours come at a time that are unpredictable. I don't like the fact that detours come at a time and they're unavoidable. And the worst thing that I hate about a detour is that when detours are present, they're uncontrollable. I hate the fact that I can't control where and when a detour presents itself. Here, here it is. When I, when I find myself in the midst of a detour, I'm at the mercy of the detour. I have to do what the detour tells me to do. Here it is. Saul is on the road. He encounters a detour. It was unpredictable that God was going to hit him right on the way to Damascus. Guess what? He didn't know it, but God knew it. Ooh, that, that should bless somebody right there. Because Saul had a plan when he left. I'm going to go to Damascus. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go say this. I'm going to cuss them out. I'm going to go off on them. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to go give my boss a piece of my mind. I'm, I'm going to go tell this man, either you're going to do right or you're going to get gone. This is what I'm going to do. This is, this is, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This is what Saul was doing. But somewhere before when he left and before he got there, God say, no, this is what I need you to do. Because if you go do what you want to do, there is no coming back from you doing what you want to do. I know you think 
that what you want to do is the right thing, but I promise you that it's going to be the wrong thing. There's nothing worse. Ooh, I want to help somebody. There's nothing worse than being in the right place and experiencing the wrong thing. There's nothing worse than being in a relationship but being unhappy. There's nothing worse than having a job but, but always being broke. There's nothing worse but having a new car but can't afford it. There's nothing worse but being in the right place experiencing the wrong thing. This is what God wanted to protect Saul from. I know Damascus is where I want you to be, but what you want to do in Damascus ain't what I want you to do. What you think life is about isn't what life is really about. And I want you to enjoy life. I want you to have great things. I want people to love you. I want people to respect you. But the way that you're trying to go about it is the wrong way. So he says, Saul, I got to do something right now that's unpredictable in your life. I have to stop you before you hurt yourself. Not only do I have to stop you, Saul, not only do I have to be unpredictable, but I have to make sure that you understand that what I'm going to do to you is unavoidable. And so what does God do? He blinds him. Why does he blind him? He blinds him because he takes the sight away from him. A soldier without eyes can't fight. And so what he does, he, he blinds them and he says, listen, I need you to understand that what I'm asking you to do is unavoidable. You don't have any way out. Can I help some? Sometimes God binds up your strength. He can bind up your finances. If your money is the thing that makes you get to where you need to get, he will bind it up. He might bind up your health. He might bind up your good. Whatever it is, he does it for a moment just to get your attention. He says, listen, I just need you to stop. That, that thing that I gave you that made you so great, Wait. Let me take it from you. Because if I don't take it from you, then you're never going to follow my lead. And so he puts him in a position because I, I want to help you understand something. Knocking him off his beast was one thing. But the thing about it is if I knock somebody off a beast, he can what? Get back up. But if I take his sight, he can't see. Can I help somebody understand something? There are times in your life where you're looking for where do I go next? What do I do next? You can't see. The vision is not clear. It's not that God does not want to use you. It's simply saying, I don't need you to see. I need you to follow me. And so what happens? This is what happens. When you can't see, then you have to do what? Follow my voice. Hey, oh, that's good. You have to follow my, my voice. This is what happens. He, Jesus says to Saul, he says, listen, I want you to get up and go to Damascus. So with that being said, all he could do is get up and go to Damascus. Just catch this. The people who were with them didn't see Jesus, didn't hear Jesus. Why? Because what Saul went through was just about Saul. Can I help you, Dan? I want to I make sure I bless you. What you're going through is just for you. You can't waste time looking at everybody else wondering why ain't they going through it too. Why didn't they experience what I experienced? Why you blind me, God, and didn't blind them? Why did you knock me down and didn't knock them? And so he says, listen, it's just for you. And so what happens is, is, is that Saul has to get up, but now Saul is put in a position where he has to listen and do what God says to him. And so now what he does, he has to tell other people 
who were along with him for the journey to kill. He has to say, I can't see, but I need you to take me on into Damascus. The witness of, of Saul starts even before he changes his name to Paul. Because the people who came with him to do harm can't even do harm now because they just have to follow his lead. And, and so sometimes there's some, some tag-alongs that you have in your life. You know your homegirl, your homeboy, aunt, uncle, cousin that's with you. They always the one to hoorah you, cheer you on when you're doing something crazy and foolishness, but really want to point at you when it's all over and done. Sometimes God got to do it to you. Why? Because they really looking up to you anyway. So he says, listen, I need y'all to take me, take me into Damascus. And this is where God begins to work on Ananias. This is where God begins to work on Ananias. So we learn, we learn right quick. We learn real quick that these, these, these detours are unpredictable. We learn not only are they unpredictable, but we learn that, that they're unavoidable. And we learn that they're uncontrollable. Here he is on this road. He doesn't have any power when he goes into this city. He's still dressed the same. They know who he is. They know he's a soldier. People know he's coming. But he has no other way out. If I don't go where Jesus is telling me to go, I'm going to stay blind for I don't know how long. I, I, I don't want to live this way. And so some of us have to reach that point where instead of living the way that we're living, we just say, God, forget it. I want to live your way. Because living for you is better than living like I'm living. And, and so he says, listen, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, Jesus. And so he gets on this road. And so now that I've shared with you the dislike, the discomforts of a detour. I want to share with you the things that I like most about this detour because we know the story. If you know the story of the text, Saul ends up going to Ananias' house. Ananias takes good care of him. He's there for three days. He receives his sight. He studies with the individuals, the disciples there, and the Bible says he gets up immediately and goes and preaches the gospel. He didn't have to go have a last couple of few drinks. He didn't have to go turn up one last time at the club. He didn't have to do none of those things that, that God, give me one more time to sleep with this dude or sleep with this girl. God, give me one more time. Just, you know, I know you know who I am. You know my heart. No, he, he, yeah, he knew his heart and his heart had changed. He didn't need another time. See, some of us ain't been knocked off our beast yet. And if we've been knocked off our beast, God ain't really just tied us up and bounded us yet. And there's something about when you get to the point where God binds you and he ties you up and, and he takes away that from which he had given you. That's the worst place in your life to ever be. And so here he is. He's there. He's grown. And the Bible says he immediately goes and shares the gospel. I want to share with you some things that I love about a detour because as we're going through life and we're going through things, we want to make sure that we know not only the good things, but the, not only the bad things, but the good things. There's a couple of things. There's three things that I want to talk to you about. The first thing I want to talk to you about is that detours, uh, they present an opportunity for what I call the trust factor. And what this trusting factor is, is that a detour is designed to protect people from the problem. That's the one thing I love when I see a detour on the road. I know that if a detour is present, it is designed to protect me from a problem. There's something ahead happening, even though this may be the shortest route to where I need to get, there's something ahead happening that could be possibly dangerous to me. And so because of the fact that it's dangerous to me, then this detour is present to detour me 
from encountering the danger. It protects me from the problem. I want y'all to receive this. I want y'all to start. When God presents these spiritual detours in your life, I want you to be able, instead of being angry about things not going your way, instead of throwing a, a fit and a tantrum tantrum about things not going your way, I want you to be able to look at that and say, oh, this is just a detour. Now, I don't need you to be walking around and being extra super holy, uh, super califragilistic, spiritual, talking about I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. He's under my feet. I understand you can do all that, but everything that happens in your life is not of the devil. Matter of fact, we know that everything works the good together for the good of those that love the Lord. So whatever is happening, I'm not giving the devil any credit because if I give the devil credit, that means I've given him power. And the only way that I can give him power is if I say yes to what he wants and no to what God wants. So there are things that are happening in my life while I'm being obedient to God, but sometimes my flesh just gets in the way. And so God has to say, you know what, stop Chris and listen to me. And so there are detours that God puts in front of me to say that there's a different way that you have to go. There's a different way that you have to go. If it was my way, we would have still been in Dallas with 150 people, two services, doing what we needed to do, great building. But you know what God says? Stop, Chris. There's a detour. Get to Red Oak. You smelling yourself. You got your face on these billboards. I need you to slow down because if I don't stop you now, what I want to do with you later is going to be destroyed. And so he has to stop, Chris. I'm not changing your destiny. I'm not changing what I promised for you. But I need to stop you because you think things have to be one way, but they don't. And so he gives us a detour. See, I had a choice. I had a choice. Everybody that's with us knows I had a choice. I could have just left and went and took a pastor position at another church, an executive pastor position at another church. Uh, I had opportunities to say, you know what, fine. You don't want to do it my way. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do something else. But I had to say, you know what, God, this is your detour. If you want me to go somewhere where I don't know nobody, nobody knows me. If you want to go somewhere where there's less population than the average neighborhood in the city of Dallas, and God, you know what, I'm going to do it. Only because it's what you asked me to do. Why? Because your detour is requiring me to trust you. And I have to trust you because of the simple fact that whatever you're doing is trying to protect me from the danger ahead. And so now when God does things in my life, when God makes a switch, I don't give the devil credit for God's switches. I give God the glory. Why? Because I know somehow this has to work out. I might not want to do it. I might not like how it's flowed. But the thing is that I have to understand that this is your will, not my, my will. And so when I think about that, I can't help but to think of the old text that simply says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. God, you know where I'm trying to get. God, you know what I'm trying to do. You know who I'm trying to be. You know what I want to honor you, how I want to give you glory. But you know what, God? I have to trust you and cast my cares upon you because you care for me. And so I love the fact that a detour puts me in a position where I can't do nothing but trust God. This is where the position where Saul is on the side of the road. Who are you, Lord? He's in a position where he has no opportunity, no other option but to trust God. The second factor is that I love, not only is it a trust factor, but there is a follow factor. That detours require you to follow. And so the following factor reminds me that detours are designed to create a way out of no way. I, I don't know about you, but that sounds like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A, a detour is what's designed where, where the road says you can't go. It says, you know what? I'm going to give you another way. 
See, see, the truth of the matter is the danger that's ahead, that, that, that the detour comes before, could very well be a plot of the enemy. But the thing is, God says, I don't even want you to have access to that temptation. I don't even want you to have access to that destruction. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to catch you before you even get there and get you back on track. And it says, so it says, where there was no way around it, I'm going to make a way around it. Can I help you today? The enemy is plotting against some of us to present things in our lives that is going to be the fall of many of us. But the thing is that God presents detours to make sure that we know that where the enemy thought there was no way, that he did make a way. And so when I look at a detour, I'm grateful because a detour could have been a dead end. A detour could have been me reaching a point where I couldn't go any further, where life was over for me. God, this was it. There was no more ministry for me. There was no more hope for me. There was no more dreams. There was no more desire. And I had finally reached my end, but God, you said, you know what? I don't want this to be the end of you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create another way for you. Oh, I love the fact that when I make a mistake, God can just say, you know what, baby? Don't worry about it. Shake it off. It's a detour. I got another way around. Everything that the enemy does in our life, he thinks it's going to be something that's going to destroy us and break us down. But God continues to show that he has another way. This is where I get happy about the text that we learned last week that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So I, every time the enemy tries to stop me in my track, God makes a way. He makes a way out of no way. Old saints used to say he opened doors that no man can close. I wish I had an organ right now. I get happy about it because God does things that nobody else can do. You ever had those moments in your life where you know that it ain't no way possible? How in the world did I make it through here? How did I reach this point? And I look back over my life and all the things that I've went through, I should have been dead. I should have been broke. A lot of things should have happened to me. But somehow, God saw me through. He makes a way. Out of nowhere, the last principle I want to rock with, I want to, I want to leave with, uh, not only is it a trusting factor, not only is it a following factor, but there becomes what I like to consider a depending factor. Detours put you in a position where you have to depend on the direction. And so detours are designed to erase all doubts concerning me reaching my destination. I, I love this. Why? Because if there's a detour present, that means somebody has already went ahead and thought about how do I get from where I am to where I need to be. Somebody should have shouted right there. Because every time there's a detour that's presented in your life, that means that God has already went ahead and he sees where you are and he knows where you need to be and as a result of it he has mapped out the road for you to reach there the worst thing that ever happens is when we hit, hit a detour and we begin to doubt where we're going to go I don't know I don't, I've never been at a detour and doubt that it was going to take me out when they show a detour that says this detour to 45 north I know that this detour is somehow going to lead me to 45 north no matter how many rights, how many lefts, how many straights, what I have to do is going to lead me to where I need to be. So therefore, I do what? I follow it because somebody has already thought ahead and mapped it out. I'll tell you something. God has already seen the future that he has for you. And he's already mapped it out. 
The only reason detours have to become present is when we somehow find our way off God's road, off God's path. And so what he does, God puts detours on the enemy's path to get us back on his path. His way never changes. He, he, he places a detour on the enemy's path. Why? Because he says, I, I know you got over there with your homeboys and homegirls. You're doing what you want to do, how you want to do. Hold on. Whoop. Stop. Get back over here where you belong. We read the text where it talks about the road to destruction is wide, but the road to our destiny, the road to promise, the road to the kingdom of heaven is, is narrow. God, God doesn't want us to be on that, that wide road. He's trying to always get us on that narrow road. So every once in a while when we find ourselves veering off the narrow road, he has to put a detour. He has to put a detour in our lives, and he reminds us that we have to be dependent on him. And I'm thinking about the scripture that says, lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge me, and he shall make your path, what, straight. That is the word of the God for the people of God. Not only that, but he says uh, that we can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It reminds me that I can depend on it. I, I remember the text says that I'm more than a conqueror. This is why I can depend on this detour, because it reminds me of all these things, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. All of these things just begin to come. And I remember that they say weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning. So I don't know. For a moment it may not feel right. But I know this too shall pass. And so when we go through life and we, we find ourselves on the road and and there's detours. I want to make sure that you understand these detours are not designed for your destruction. They're designed to help you reach your destination. They're designed to help you reach the fullest potential of what God has for you. They're designed to help you reach your destiny. So although there are things that we dislike about them, they yet still have value. If you take the time and you read the story of Saul, Paul becomes one of the most prolific writers in the Bible. Most of the epistles rewrite everything that we know about the Christian faith. We learn from Paul pretty much. And the truth of the matter is that if we don't know anything else, what we need to understand is just because you made some mistakes in your life, life ain't over. And so this is why Jesus says, I can put the detour. But in order for me to put the detour, I want to be the detour. And so in the text, we learn that in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we, we come to understand if Jesus is the detour, the trusting factor is that you have to trust that he is the Son of God. You have to trust that he is the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin Mary. Not only do you have to trust that he is the son of God, but you have to be willing to follow him. That's the belief factor. Believing requires you to follow. And so if Jesus is a detour, he, he has a trusting factor and he has a believing factor, which, which is our depending factor. It, remind, it requires us to follow, but then it leads to that depending factor because we have to commit to give him our life. We have to depend on the fact that because he died on the cross that we can have everlasting life. 
that that is truly applies to us. And we have to depend on God to be our Lord and depend on God to be our Savior. We have to allow him to have the rule and reign in our lives. So my prayer is today, when you leave here today, and I, I want to make sure that you understand something, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. Just honor the fact that I've made a mistake and you try to get back on the right track as soon as you can. As soon as God presents the detours in your life, you're going through some things right now probably that you, you, you've been trying to get some and it ain't been getting there. And the thing is that you keep getting ways out, ways out, keep presenting themselves and you don't take them. Can I help you understand something today? That that detour is what's going to get you around where you are to get you where you need to be. And so sometimes you have to stop being stubborn and trying to make things happen your way and simply allow things to happen God's way. Accept the detour, depend on them, trust on them, follow them. And I promise you'll get everything that God has for you. But the thing is that you have to commit to his will and not your own will. Let me pray for you today. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to stand before you with this word. Father God, to receive what you had for us. God, there's